104.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yep, here we are in the studio, just Ned Reynolds and myself. They're called the B-team for a reason, Ned. (laughs) And that is because, well, we're here. We're broadcast professionals. We know to be in the studio. Maybe an hour ahead of time, but that's fine. That's fine. That's part of broadcasting. Exactly. I am Joe Weston. Ned Reynolds is with me, and we sit around for an hour, and we talk about sports. I think both of us are kind of scratching our head a little bit, saying, "Eh, how are we going to fill up this hour? We will. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. There's a ton (laughs) of local sports to talk about. And let's, first of all, let's start out with, uh, with our own event that is coming up July 14th. You and Mike announced that this week. You want to give people a little bit of details about that and what's going on? It will be, of course, our annual Chiefs Rally that we have here in the area. In, in the past, it's been at a specific locale. We're working on another locale this time. But July 14th, which is a Thursday night, Mitch Holdis will be here, as always, to trumpet the Kansas City Chiefs for the year. And he will be joined by his partner, Danan Hughes, who is also coming to Danan is a remarkably good broadcaster. He is a banker by profession. Oh, really? I didn't uh-huh. know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but he takes off on these broadcasting junkets, which include the Missouri Valley Conference for football and basketball. But for baseball, which is his, believe it or not, his first love. Oh, really? Uh-huh. He played in the Milwaukee Brewers farm system. Of course, he's a former pro football player with the yeah. Kansas City Chiefs. But regardless of all that, he is he is a very good and efficient spokesperson for any of the games. He, he is really quite good. And he will be a good adjunct to Mitch Holdis when they come down here. They both are very much in tune with what the Chiefs are planning on doing this year. Well, let's talk about this for a minute because this is, I think, our fourth year of doing these with Mitch Holtis. And, of course, as you mentioned, Dana Hughes will be with him this year. And uh, let's just give people kind of the what they can expect when they come to one of these one of these rallies that we have. Art Haynes and I are the MCs for it. Mike, Mike, the intern, does the opening for it, and then sits by in relief of in case there's any faltering, which of course there never is. But over <laughs> and above that, what we do is pepper questions to both Mitch and, in this case, to both of them, Mitch and uh, Danan about the Chiefs and what they have planned. Now, Mitch is extremely good at elaborating for five, ten minutes at a stretch on what to expect because this is, after all, his profession. He is, I think, for the last 28 years, the Chiefs' principal broadcaster. Danan has been with him as the color broadcaster now for a couple of years, and Danan is an all-former All-America wide receiver at Iowa, but also a former pro baseball player but very good at what he does. Over and above that, we'll ask questions, we'll open it to the audience to ask questions, and that's that's what the whole basis of all of this is. Of course, there's food and beverage involved, and uh, Mike and I will be announcing when the tickets go on sale for this, but it's usually a very popular event. We've had as many as two and 300 folks. We've had the governor of the state of Missouri there in attendance in the past. He, he loves to come down. He was there last year, and who knows, maybe there this year as well. But over and above, it's the audience opportunity to find out an in-depth look at what the Chiefs are going to be doing. It's not like everybody has the opportunity to go up to St. Joe and watch them work out at Missouri Western. That's, that's Yes, there are some who can do that, but not everybody can. But the opportunity here is for the local fans to have that 
that chance to hear what the Chiefs officials think, not that not that Danon and Mitch are officials, they are from a media standpoint, but in terms of how the Chiefs are going to look, yeah, they are right there and they're ready to go. I, uh, I Like I said, this is about the fourth year that we've done these, fourth or fifth year that we've done these, and I've always just been completely impressed by Mitch Holtis and his professionalism. I don't think there's a guy other than you that knows as much about the players and the sport and what he is talking about at that particular moment. And not only can they tell you where the guy played college football at, where he played high school football at, what the name of the high school mascot is, what the guy had for breakfast on most days. Yeah, it's like you said, Mitch Holtis, if you ask him, what sort of cleats does Patrick Mahomes like? You Ten minutes later, you'll have, your, you'll have an answer. Joe, you have to understand what the charge is to a broadcaster, a principal broadcaster for any team, and that's to know everything there is to know about that team. You have to know it in depth. Mitch isn't a kid. He's He's been around in the business for a long time. Prior to going to the Chiefs, he was the voice at Kansas State. He's from that area. So this has been his life, and it's his principal duty. Now, keep in mind, this isn't the only thing. He has the Chiefs TV show. He has Minute with Mitch, which is another a TV circumstance that they have the guy is going into the missouri broadcasters hall of fame next friday wow next friday june the 10th i had made it's going to be up at lake of the ozarks he's one of the individuals going in they're usually only about three or four somewhere around there uh, last year john rooney went and this is the second straight year that i can't make i know both the guys and i wanted to be there last year i had a ball game to do and this year my granddaughter gets married on that oh. same day therefore Moi will be absent. <laughs> you need to get your priorities straight. Now. That's all I've got to say anyway, about that. Anyway, that's how good he is. Uh, he is a principal part of Missouri sports, actually uh, two state sports, because Kansas and Missouri, after all, Kansas City is right on the border. But Mitch is such an articulate spokesman and does know it in depth. That's the charge of a principal broadcaster. Art Haynes is the same with Missouri State. He's able to articulate very well all of the past events and what players are doing and what their circumstances in life. And that's the same with Mitch with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's just exactly that way. He also, Mitch also does Missouri Valley Conference basketball when he has the opportunity. And with a busy schedule that he has, that doesn't always exist. Well, I, if you haven't gone to one of these in the past, make it a plan to go to one of these. If you're not a Cave Club member, Get online and get yourself involved in the Cave Club because you can get early ticket sales this week because I believe, I heard, I heard that the tickets are going on sale on Friday, I believe. Is oh, this is this coming Friday? Yeah, I believe okay. that's what I heard in one of our promos earlier today. So that would be good. That would be great. I And we always, like you said, have a great crowd for it. We have, you know, two or 300 people there and we typically, we have food and we have drink and we generally have a great time. Uh, Mitch is a tremendous showman. Ned Reynolds and Art Haynes are also tremendous MCs. And when you get all these sports legends together on one stage, you get a you get a whole lot of sports knowledge, and it's a lot of fun to sit back and listen. And of course, if you got a question, they are always able to answer. But Joe, you have to remember what the roles of Haynes and Reynolds is, and that yeah. is as MCs. The, the stars of the show, if you can categorize them as the lead individuals, are Mitch and, in this year's case, Danon. The two of them will take center stage 
We'll ask them a question, sure, but they will be the ones who articulate and will stay out of the running. Think of Mitch and Hart. Uh, think of Art and Ned in this way. They are the batting practice pitchers for these two guys, so that they can serve up home runs for you to listen to. <laughs> we are lobbing them in there. <laughs> and if you're not, if you're not, you know, not feeling football yet, go to this, and you'll you'll be feeling football because that's how good this this event is. And I'll tell you straight up front, I'm not a I'm not a homer, and uh, Mitch Holtis has always impressed me. And he every time I walk away from one of these, I have just always been like, "All right, let's go, let's go watch some football, let's do it right now." Now, in the past, it hasn't been all of them just answering the questions. He he, being Mitch, has brought along a video that they show on one of the computer devices. Now, whether or not he's doing that this year, that I don't know, but I assume he will. And it's a recapitulation of the of the year, the past year, and all the good things that the, the Chiefs were able to do. Now, they don't necessarily shy away from the less-than-glorious moments like the one and three start. But, again, you're getting a, a detailed look at what the Chiefs can offer. After all, you will have had OTAs, all completed. As a matter of fact, the big one comes up here next, not this coming week, but next week, and that's the mandatory session when all 90 players on the roster have to be there. He'll be giving, able to give you details on that and able to give you more details of what they'll be doing in St. Joe and what they're going to what they're going to concentrate on, what the levels, what the weaknesses are. It, it's it's really a very good session. Last probably about an hour, and then you have opportunities to ask a lot of questions on your own and they're more than willing to stay there and help well i i think this is one of the biggest years for you to go to this event if you've never gone in the past or if you're a chiefs fan and you've gone over all the years that we've done it this will be an important year to go because there's so many new faces on the kansas Mm -hmm. city chiefs you'll get some insight from the guys that have been there have seen it have been watching it They've been talking to the coaches. They've been talking to the people around the team. They've been talking to the players. And you're going to get insight that you're not going to get anywhere else, and you'll get it with our Chiefs Happy Hour. I'm interested to hear what the both of them have to say about these first two OTAs, and they'll talk about that. Now, the, again, the big the big and final mini-camp session comes up, and I believe it starts on June 16th, if I'm not mistaken. But it is mandatory. All the players have to be there. The first two that they had, which was a two-practice session and then a three-practice session, which was this last week, are not mandatory. You don't have to. It's encouraged that you're there, but you don't have to be. Well, two of the chief stalwarts were missing from that, Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Neither one of them showed up. Well, they did not have to be. They're veteran players. Well, the coaches, when asked about that, say, hey, we've noticed that uh, Jones and Clark aren't there. Oh, well, that's no problem. They're... They're working out on their own, and they told us they wouldn't be there and so forth and so on. Well, that's coach speak. I think probably the Chiefs may have had some second thoughts about both of their absences because if you're a dedicated member of the team, and I'm not casting aspersions, but if you're a dedicated member, then you do show up to some of these. Again, they don't have to. I'm anxious to see if they do in the middle of the week, middle of next week, not this coming week, but next week. I want to see what happens there and whether or not Big Orlando Brown is there because he has not signed his contract tender yet. They have some questions on this Kansas City roster forthcoming. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. 
I'm Joe Weston, joined by Ned Reynolds, and we're talking about our Chiefs Happy Hour. And we're talking about some of the questions that are coming up with the Kansas City Chiefs now. Educate me here, Ned. Are Clark and Jones or either one? I, I don't think uh, one of those guys signed a big contract last year. So, I mean, there, should, there shouldn't be any. Jones is already under contract. And uh, and Clark did sign an extension last year. Of course, that sometimes <laughs> doesn't mean a lot in football. Only as good as the paper that it's written on. No, that, I, I don't mean that to be a serious denouncement of how they work things but you can you can cut players in the nfl if they aren't performing up to capabilities and that figures into your salary cap there are many adjuncts to the salary cap but over and above all that these guys are signed and they figure on being part of the team and so do the defensive coaches still it would be well to have them there for any kind of practice session that you're going to have. Not that they're going to learn a lot, but the fact that they can contribute to what is going on and help some of the younger players. After all, that's the nature of this business. It is the nature of any professional sports franchise. You're always looking for those young and up-and-coming players, and Kansas City Chiefs are no exception. So again, we'll we'll debate those points as the weeks go on, and then June or July the 14th, when Mitch and Danon are here, then we'll be able to get a much more detailed look at what's happening with this franchise. One of the questions that's certainly going to be asked is, how do the Chiefs compensate for the lack of Tyreek Hill? Well, they've already answered some of that. They've drafted wide receivers. They've drafted a lot of speed. My personal opinion is you can't draft the athleticism of a guy like Hill. That's one of a kind. Yeah. And over and above, you have to adjust. And that's what all the sports is, is making the adjustments. Going back to Frank and going back to Clark and Jones, has there any word come from either one of them why they're not attending? Mm-hmm. No, no, Everybody. neither has offered an excuse, and, and it's fine. They don't have to. It isn't mandatory. The real excuse, if there is one, is, well, it's hot. <laughs> well, I, I, I was going to say that, too, because both of these guys have are not on the field typically 16, 17 games a year. They're, they're, they're usually 10, 11, 12 games because of injuries. They get banged up a lot. They, they push through a lot. So, I mean, do you think maybe the coaches say, hey, it's okay, don't worry about it, show up, show well, up when, the, we get to, when we get to the official OTAs? The longer you've been around, of course, the more leeway you have. But yet a guy like Mahomes, who is on the field all the time, he's there. He's working out with the team. In fact, even during the offseason, he invited players down to his home. I think it's in Texas and uh, worked out with them on their own. A difference in focal point of what you're doing. Of course, with the big lineman, you're getting a lot of physical contact. And with the QB, all you're doing is running the team. Thank you. He's kind of the <laughs> CEO of the of the offense. But again, and I'm just voicing a personal opinion on this. Yeah. Again, you would like to have, at least I would anyway, if I were the head coach and the administrators of the team, I would like to have all of the key elements there, even though it isn't mandatory. Both of those guys getting up there in age, too. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I agree with you. You like to have everybody there, and especially two guys that are leaders on that side of the ball. You'd like to see them show up for these practices and set the tone for some of the younger players because there's 
a lot of younger players on the defensive side of the ball. The Chiefs drafted a ton. They've got a new defensive lineman there. Apparently, he's uh, turning some heads this in is the, the OTAs. Kid, the kid from Purdue you're talking yeah. about, and he is a, a pass rusher, a defensive end, Karloffis from Purdue, and he's pretty good. And yes, in these sessions, he's excelled. But then again, he doesn't have his chief competition there in a, in a Chris Jones and a Frank Clark. How would he stand up in comparison to them? We're not going to know. You can make a visual observation, but you don't really know until you've seen the action going on. Still... In all honesty, there's such a long time and so many barriers to get over and so many hurdles to, in fact, conquer. It's not fair to make any judgments now. It's simply making an an observation that in practice sessions, it'd be good to have them there. Where do we stand with the Chiefs' legal issues that are going on? Well, in Clark's case, I don't think anything has really happened. He did go to court and he got a delay a delay has been ongoing here for a long time. This is a, a weapons charge against him, which happened in January a year ago. Yeah. Uh, and some of the others, uh, I'm afraid I, I can't really offer any kind of comment along those lines. But in terms of their salary cap, they're right there. They're on the on the edge. They have, of course, a limited amount of money that they can spend under, under law, under rule, uh, with the draft choices. The highest draft choice, I believe, is allowed $4 million, and that's probably what they'll get. But over and above that, then you can kind of balance it on the way down. The second round draft choice gets so much and so forth and so on. But you still have to be able to balance your team and pay for any forthcoming free agents they may want to sign and then make decisions as to who's going to stay with this team. You have a roster of 90 right now. You'll have a roster of 53 when the season kicks off. Do you see the Chiefs making any more? And I, these are all questions that are going to be perfect to ask Mitch and Dana when they're here. Do you see the Chiefs making any more moves, perhaps with Frank Clark, before the beginning of the season? Hard to say. Really very difficult to say. I think if there are going to be any, it would be probably adjudicated on what he does in practice sessions and what he does in the three preseason games that they have. Interestingly enough... We were campaigning, a lot of members of the media, including me, for lesser preseason games. My, my thought was two of them. Well, they settled, the NFL settled on three. And, it, and three, when you think about it now, is probably the, the optimum level of having a preseason game because you can make judgments on borderline veteran players and up-and-coming newcomers as to what they're capable of doing under the heat of competition. And the Chiefs will certainly have that with three exhibition games, Chicago Bears, and then they have they close with the Green Bay Packers. I believe it's the Minnesota Vikings who they all also have, and there's two home and one away game. The one away game is the first one, the Chicago Bears. But when you take a look at these players and judge them, therein, Joe, is the real key on what's going to go on. You, yes, it's how a player practices is very much instrumental as to how he is going to play and what his dedication is. But when they get out on the field and they know there's a lot riding on this, then you're seeing the real competitive uh, assertion of any of these players. Well, all good to know. All good things that we need to file away as we get ready for the start of the NFL season. We have our Chiefs Happy Hour coming up July 14th. Details are online at 1047thecave.com. Ned and I will be back. We'll talk about some baseball in just a moment right here on Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk 
on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Hanging around on a Sunday afternoon, talking some sports. I'm Joe Weston with Ned Reynolds. We are B-teamless today. All of them decided to uh, take the day off. Jake's in Canada. I told him there's no more draft. He didn't have to worry <laughs> about that, but I'm, not, I'm not, sure, not sure Jake got that one yet. So... We talk about local sports a lot on this show, and and we've got a lot of local sports to talk about, specifically our Missouri State Bears baseball team. What's going on, Ed? They are a remarkable aggregation of players. The team has really, they haven't really gelled until now. Now, that's not to say they're not very good. They are. They won 30 games. But it's been an up-and-down year with a lot of injuries, and Coach Keith Gutton and uh, all of them have been very frustrated with, with what's going on because of the fact they weren't able to be consistent as the season went on, especially with the pitching staff. Ty Buckner, who's outstanding players, had trouble coming back from injury, and some of the others, some of the other stalwarts on the team have had to sit out because of injuries. Well, now those injuries have begun to abate, and the Bears, as most of you know, went ahead and won the Missouri Valley Conference postseason tournament here in Springfield, and that was last Sunday. They were the first home team, first team with the home field advantage, to win their own, the conference title on their own home field since 2011. Creighton was the last team to do that, and Creighton's not even in the Valley anymore. That's how <laughs> long it has been. Well, the Bears went ahead and won, and it was a great showing indeed. They came back, had a couple of had a couple of really monumental ravines to hurdle, and they were able to do that because offensively they are a very good team. All right, they get into the regional. Assigned to the regional in Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is being hosted by Oklahoma State and which is in progress as we speak. Here's the deal. The Bears lost their opening game to Oklahoma State 10-5. to Made a nice little comeback in this ballgame, but Oklahoma State, folks, is very, very good. This is the... That was the second time the Bears and Cowboys had played this year. Today is the third time they played. Bears lost the first one 5-1 to one, back in late February when they went to Stillwater. Lost on Friday 10-5. to five, And now they are playing at this hour in, I guess you could classify it as a loser's bracket game. The loser of this one is finished for the competition for this year. In the top of the first inning, the aforementioned Ty Buckner is getting the start for Missouri State. There was no score in the top of the first. Long way to go. But I'll tell you, Joe, what makes this whole story and their whole mission for this season so improbable. This is a team that is never, and you can put that in uppercase, never out of a game. Yesterday, they played Grand Canyon, a very nice baseball team from Phoenix, Arizona, and a member of the Western Athletic Conference, a WAC team, Grand Canyon folks had a seven to one lead going into the eighth inning. Seven to one. These are nine inning games, folks. <laughs> As are most of them. All right. Seven to one going into the eighth inning. Bears were able to tally a couple of runs in the eighth and make it seven to three. All right. There's still that little flicker of hope it come on. Yeah. Seven to you have three. to have a grand slam to tie it. Most teams feel safe if they have a four run or better lead. 
What the Bears did was better that by one and got a five-run rally in the ninth, capped with a couple of home runs, a big one by Mason Hole, which put the Bears over the top at 8-7. to seven. They won the game. They scored three runs, I beg your pardon, two runs in the eighth and five in the ninth, overcame the deficit and win the contest and, of course, go on to the second game or the loser's bracket game against Oklahoma State. When you get into competition like that, that is utterly remarkable that they were able to pull that off. And they can when they get into a rhythm because they have that kind of offense on this ball club. They have Dakota Katowski, who I think has 25 home runs on the year individually. Going into the competition, the Bears had hit 99 home runs for the year. 99. That is not a record, but it's pretty doggone close to it. Now there are, of course, 103, 104, whatever it is now, for the season. This is college baseball now, gang, but they're playing in regulation depth ballparks. And Obrade Stadium at Stillwater is an outstanding ballpark. It's brand new. Well, it's two years old now, but funded by one of the wealthy oil grads from Oklahoma State, Mr. O'Brate. And it's something like, ooh, 20, 25 million bucks, somewhere around there. It's a beautiful place, beautiful stadium, and certainly worthy of being a regional site. Okay, the Bears were able to hit the home runs down there, come from behind, and win 8-7. to seven. Today, they're playing Oklahoma State again. Oklahoma State had a big lead over Arkansas last night and squandered it and ended up losing 21-12, to 12, I believe the final score was, that Arkansas won. So Arkansas is in the winner's, uh, winner's bracket, and they are awaiting the winner of this game today. Play them later on tonight. Now, what happens if there's a lost one? Then they have to come back and play a third game, which I assume would be tomorrow. And from that point on, then you go on to the Super Regional, which is two teams playing a best of three, then on to the College World Series at Omaha. Bears have been there once before in 2003. They would like to go back again. It would be a tremendous story if they did, even if they didn't. Keith Gutton's ball club, under the direction of Joey Hawkins and... Uh, the pitching coach, Paul Evans, they have been pretty doggone remarkable in every single respect. And, gosh, uh, everybody should be very proud of what they're able to do. Have kind of put together a team through duct tape and rubber bands and held them together. And here they are with a chance, at least a fighting chance. I wouldn't call it a good one, but at least a fighting chance, a puncher's chance of getting into championship further competition. As a coach, as I've mentioned many times in the show, you always just want a chance. That's the only thing that you can ask for. And I would always tell my kids at the beginning of the season, it's not how we start, it's how we end the season. And I think Coach Gutton and the the staff there has a lot to be proud of because nobody expected the Bears to be where they're at today. I heard you talk a lot when you do your morning breaks with Mike and uh, on right here in the cave. And uh, again, I'll recommend to everybody to listen to those you do those each weekday morning, seven twenty, eight twenty, and then you do your update throughout the day right here. And I got a lot of insight in how the Bears were playing. And and while you didn't say the Bears were a bad team, I could tell just by your voice and the things that you were saying, you were fr- you yourself were frustrated with the way the team plays. And then to find them here, that they're on the cusp of doing something truly amazing. Everybody loves the Cinderella story. 
But you've got to love a Cinderella story when it's local, when it's right hey, here. Joe, I'm going to give you even a further upside, uh, uh, update on that. Did a ball game last night, Springfield Cardinals yeah. and the Arkansas Travelers. Scott Bales is my partner. Balesy is a Missouri State alum. <laughs> so he, he says to me, all right, Reynolds, level with me. Hand in the air if the answer is yes. How many bailed out on the Bears when the score was 7-1 to in the eighth inning? And both of us had to raise our hands. We had bailed out on them. We had been doubting Thomas's, and yet they are folks never out of a game. I don't care what the what the deficit is. This uh, team has a lot of fighting spirit to it and a lot of offense to come back. That's a fun type of baseball to watch when you've got a team that you just, if, you're, if they're going to get into the bullpen, if they're going to get that starter pitching count up, and a team doesn't have a great bullpen. And I would imagine a lot of these college teams don't have fantastic bullpens. That's one of the deals that you when you have to address when you have a regional tournament and a, a super regional tournament, which is best of three, and even when you get into the national tournament. How deep is your pitching staff? And you're right, Joe, not many of them at this level, uh, even a high level of Division One, can say, hey, we have four great starters. No, that's for the pros. That's where that. That's why they are pros. But in the college level, if you have one and maybe two, you have the basis for a very good team. Well, we'll see how that's going to manifest itself, because you're into the stretch run now of college baseball. We're in early June now, and it all comes to an end, middle or latter part of June up in Omaha. How deep is their pitching staff? And with the Bears, it's been injured much of this season, but it is coming on now. This kid Ty Buckner, who gets the start today, is. Pretty good hurdler, but again, coming off an injury. Well, we'll tell you right now, the game is in the top of the second inning. Missouri State is the home team, Oklahoma State visitor. It is 0-0 with one hit so far in the game, but it's really early on. We'll try to keep you posted before we get out of here at 1 o'clock. You're listening to Ned Talk, your local live sports talk show. We'll talk some basketball on the way next. You're listening to Ned Talk. On 104.7, The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7, The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Joe Weston, Ned Reynolds, hanging out doing the show today on a Sunday afternoon. Everybody else playing hooky. <laughs> We're the dedicated souls, Ned. <laughs> Bottom of the second, 0-0, Oklahoma State, Missouri State, Missouri State at bat. No outs right now, so we'll try to keep you informed as the game goes along. We wanted to talk a little bit about basketball, but first, Ned wanted to uh, share with you guys what was going on in the high school baseball championships which are being de- held down here this year they are over it ended yesterday with the championship in class six all six classes of course represented just a very slight disappointment i think and and really that's unfair to say because the teams were there but southwest missouri had a great representation in these state championships but did not win any state championships at all did finish second uh, willard finished third in their situation uh, got a great little comeback uh, and won a third-place game yesterday, 7-3. to three. But the championship was won by Platt County out of Kansas City, and then Liberty North won the Class 6 championship. Prior to that, Rogersville finished a runner-up, 
Springfield Catholic finished a runner-up, and Gainesville finished in fourth place in Class 2. So these are all outstanding efforts. You're not going to win all your games. Come on, gang. But I know the, the teams that finished runner-up in their particular divisions, uh, both Rogersville, Logan Rogersville, and the Catholic Irish, are disappointed because they both thought they were geared for state championships and may still be. Both of them and Willard will all have a lot of representation coming back next year. Southwest Missouri has represented itself, Joe, very well in all the sports recently. Uh, in basketball and in football, we're coming on and doing a lot of really good things. And in baseball, then that's where it's been most noteworthy. And you had that number of teams playing for state championships. The fact that we have them down here, I think, is the key they have been awarded down here baseball for a few more years, and basketball next year is the final year for which the contract has been uh, offered. Now, the new one has been, uh, the entries have been made for it, but the decision as to where it's going to be haven't been. I hope it's down here again because it's really great to have it at what is now known as the Great Southern Bank Arena. But that makes it very convenient for all of us. And, and really, when you talk about Southwest Missouri, it is a central point. But wherever it is, be it Columbia or be it here, teams do have to go a fairly good distance to get there. Although here it's <laughs> much more amenable to us. Nonetheless, it's seeing the very best in the state playing, and that is a key. Tennis is already here. Girls softball is here at the Killian Complex. A lot of the golf events are in this area. So we're pretty well represented as being the hub for championship competition. And that, in, in my opinion, is nothing short of outstanding. Yeah, you know, Springfield's a huge, huge sports town. I mean, we uh, the park board and the Allisons are helping to build a complex for traveling soccer. I know that the park board also recently purchased one of the privately owned courts and volleyball courts around here. And that's becoming a big, big deal to get to draw people to your area to uh, do these events, to do these tournaments that can happen year round and spring and summer. And uh, Springfield's really been forward on doing several of those things. And it's great to see those things now, right here. Tell you, I'm going to throw one in here too, because the, the team itself doesn't, at least to my knowledge, is not going to exist. And that's Springfield Lasers, the pro, to, uh, pro tennis team. Yeah. Yesterday, the French Open is coming to an end, as a matter of fact, and has con uh, concluded Rafael Nadal won today. But, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday they had doubles competition. And the men's doubles championship was won by a couple of former Springfield Lasers players. Currently, Jean-Julien Rogier and Marcelo Arevalo both won the doubles championship. Both played for the Lasers, uh, Rogier most recently, and then Arevalo a few years ago. But that's really nothing. That, that, that's how it works when yeah. you have that pro tennis going on like that. And that's really noteworthy and a voice for congratulations. I don't know what the Lasers are going to do this year. Apparently, they're not going to play here this summer, even if they exist at all. Really? Why is that? Well, the league has begun to dwindle, and the individual who founded World Team Tennis, Billie Jean King, doesn't have a franchise in this competition anymore. It was the Philadelphia Freedom, but she decided not to continue to back them, and the other backers of the Freedom uh, went ahead and dissolved their ownership, too. So only five teams in the league. Last year, they all played in November out at uh, Palm Desert, California. Don't know what they're going to do this year. Has, as far as 
the manifestation of it, but I do know they're not going to be here in the city this year. That's really disappointing because uh, I'll be honest with you. I'd heard about the lasers for several years, and uh, you uh, asked us to come out to one of the events, and we set up out there and did a show out there. And it was a lot of fun. The courts were amazing. And watching that level of competition play right here in Springfield was pretty amazing. Hey, they, these are top-notch pros. Yeah. And, and they're there keeping their game. The season was compacted all into the month of July. It used to be. And that got the individuals ready for the further competition, the Masters tournaments in Montreal and in Cincinnati, and then ultimately in New York City where the U.S. Open is held. That's why they were keeping their game sharp at that time. But evidently it didn't financially manifest itself to continue. And as a result, it isn't, to my knowledge, going to be held this year unless they go back to their a competition out of Palm Desert again. Hmm, really interesting. Keep us surprised on that. I'd like to know what's going on with that because, again, as like I said, it was uh, a lot of fun to watch, and uh, the Cooper Tennis Complex is pretty amazing. Well, it's one of the best in the country. If you haven't been out there and checked it out, it is an amazing complex to watch. And and you mentioned earlier, too, about women's softball or softball in period. The Killian Complex is one of the best in around, too. It's uh, Well, it's pretty- been the host for the state championships. It has been the host for conference championships. It's where the Missouri Valley Conference held its women's softball tournament this year, which was won by Missouri State, I might add, and sent them into the NCAA softball regionals. The The women's softball national competitions gets underway this week, and that's all held at this huge stadium they have in Oklahoma City. Uh, Lady Bear, or well, they're not the Lady Bears, they are the Bears softball team, will not be there. They were ousted by Missouri. And the softball season is about a week ahead of the baseball season in terms of their tournaments. But it will be held in Oklahoma City, and I don't—I just can't believe anybody's going to beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma goes into the national competition. I think their record is fifty-four and two. They have some <laughs> really good, good players. They have some really good players in that team. Oh gosh, yeah. yes, yeah. Well, just again to kind of recap with all that. Here's what's going on in our area. Okay, Missouri State football, really good. High expectations going into this season. Very high. Lady Bears basketball, high expectations. New coach going into this season. Coach Beth Cunningham will take over the program. There will be a a number of new players with that Lady Bears team, but that's the nature of college basketball that's going to happen. Bears basketball, always look for them to be competitive and very good. Find out something interesting this year because this is practically not, you can't see literally because there are one or two players back, but it's practically an all-new team. Everybody is new coming in this year. Drury basketball, always extremely good. Always extremely good on both men's and women's level. Coach Chris Foster will be taking the men's team and trying to bounce back from what was not a great year last year, but he has some interesting new recruits uh, coming in. Bears took the lead, by the way, 2 nothing in the bottom of the second right now. Is it a home run? Uh, no, it was uh, two men on and a double to uh, left center field and Runners scored from first and second. Excellent. Bears two, Oklahoma State nothing, and that is in the second inning down in Stillwater. And because of the revolving rotation in a regional tournament like this, the Bears are the home team in this game. Okay, and then we have the the Lady Panthers of very their uh, Emily does Oh, they are. They're a national power every year, and they will do well. They always do. And indeed, it's 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 going to be another interesting year forthcoming. It always is. That's the beauty of looking forward and ahead because you anticipate great things happening. Missouri State hockey, Missouri State soccer, both very good, both 
extremely good programs. And, uh, you know, that's ex- exciting because they're right here in the Ozarks. Both coaches Leamy and Kane have retired from their programs, which they developed the the Lady Bears soccer team and, of course, the Bears soccer team, which was an NCAA hopeful last year and didn't make the NCAA tournament. But both will be under new coaches, although that's really unfair. The new coaches who are coming in aren't really new to the programs at all. They'll be able to come in and continue with the philosophy that the retiring coaches have. But I'm anxious to see how this works. Uh, nonetheless, certainly representative programs over the years and ones that have engendered quite a bit of local following. And a ton, I mean a ton of really, really good local high school baseball, basketball, football on all levels and all genders. It's out there. It's great. Get out and enjoy and support local sports here because we've got a bunch of really good local <laughs> sports in our area. We're, we're blessed, Ned. We are. And especially in uh, the sports of baseball, look at the Drury baseball team this year that Scott Nasby put together. They were a terrific aggregation uh, right up there to a possible. They, they didn't get in to the championship rounds of the NCAA Division II, but over and above that, they were certainly very good, had 37 wins on the year and can play. Incidentally, I want to call attention that I don't have the date in front of me yet, but Drury and Missouri State will play later on this fall, and it's the Battle for Bell, which is an ALS benefit baseball game that we have forthcoming. It'll be down at the Marucci's Ballpark, U.S. Ballpark in Ozark, is where they'll play it again. Last year, they played up in Springfield at Hammonds Field. They were unable to play because the scoreboard didn't work down at down at U.S. Ballpark, but that's all been taken care of now. Anyway, Drury and Missouri State will get it on in baseball. Both are very good teams. Both will have a lot of good ball players returning, and it'll be a lot of fun to watch. But over and above, it is a benefit for Howard, the late Howard Bell and the ALS Foundation at Cox. Runners at first and second, one out, bottom of the second inning. Bears up 2 nothing over Oklahoma State. When we come back, we'll talk just a little bit about basketball, and then we'll wrap up the show, tell you what we're going to watch this afternoon. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, a proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Some cloudy skies this afternoon with a chance of rain. High in the low 80s, rain first part of the week. Keeping you up to date on that Bears game, it's 2-0, still bottom of the second. Bases loaded. Who's a bat here? They had it just a second ago. I could see it, but uh, Baldwin. Oh, Drake, Drake Baldwin. Drake, Drake Baldwin, Baldwin is the catcher on the team, and he is a major league prospect. I okay. would suspect somebody will be signing him or at least drafting him, but I think he also has another year of eligibility. I'm not positive on that, but Baldwin has been a, a great asset to the Cardinals this year. Had uh, had a home run yesterday. The kid, the kid can play. He's Three and one count on him right now. Hitters count. So a walk here and a run comes in, right? Yeah. And RBI so we're, we're, for Baldwin. We're, we're, we're watching. Had a couple of game sevens over last uh, over Memorial Day weekend. The uh, Celtics bucked the trend and beat the Heat, and they are in the championship 3-2 count right now. And uh, they surprised 
Golden State in the first game. Big comeback. I, I saw some people wrote, comeback for the ages. Well, it was a unique game in a lot of respects. I thought even when the Celtics were playing the Heat, and I mentioned this on the air with Joe, that I really, or with Mike, I should pick the Celtics to win because I thought they were the better man-to-man team. And yet they did not have home court advantage, and they were down at one time. However, came back, and they beat Miami in Miami in Game 7. Okay, now they're playing the Golden State Warriors, and I really feel like Golden State is favored. So, the other night when they opened up this series, Thursday night in San Francisco, at the newly renamed Oracle, and I don't remember what the new name for it is now. It's the same arena, but has a new naming rights situation. Here is... Golden State ahead by double digits going into the fourth period. Now, this is a team with long-distance shooters. You have Stephen Curry, you have Draymond Green, who's a power underneath. I don't know what happened to him, but that team absolutely deflated in the fourth period and got outscored by the Celtics 40-16. to 16. 16 points is all Golden State got in one period? What on earth? Anyway, they fell apart. Boston won at 120 to 108, and the Celtics have not only a one game to none advantage, they have seized home court away from Golden State. So that series continues tonight again out in, out in San Francisco, and then it moves for the next two games to Boston. But And this is the NBA championship, folks. This isn't the semifinals. This is it. This is the championship final best of seven. Very interesting matchup between two Historic teams, Joe, I'm going to take you back into a little bit of history because when I was in school and in college, it was initially the Warriors and the Celtics. Only they were the Philadelphia Warriors at the time. This is before they moved to San Francisco. And with Wilt Chamberlain in his beginning years as a professional, their games with Boston, Chamberlain against Russell, were absolutely monumental and really, in in many respects, were the Eastern Conference Championship Series for all those years. Then Philadelphia pulled up stakes, moved out to San Francisco, and in came the Syracuse Nats and became the Philadelphia 76ers. Hit me. Baldwin doubled, three-run score. Bears have a 5 nothing lead, bottom of the second inning. Now, I don't want you to call me negative Ned. No, I, I, it's, <laughs> I, I as, a, as a baseball man, I will tell you early in the game, really early. Uh, Keith Gutton last week here in town, I was down there close, I could hear him. The Bears were up over Evansville 13-3 to in a key game. And I remember Keith saying, Hey guys, keep scoring. It's never enough runs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you want. You 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 just keep keep your foot in the gas and keep on going. Especially in these uh, college baseball championships, because you do see huge comebacks all the time. I did a game on TV about I want to say about four or five years ago. The Bears in Oklahoma State up here at Hammonds Field on a very cold and windy March afternoon. The Bears got up to a six to nothing lead on the Cowboys. Oklahoma State won it coming from behind. This is a very good Oklahoma State team. Josh Holiday is their coach. It's, uh, Matt Holiday's Matt, brother. Matt's brother. And he's part coach of that team, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he is on there as well, lending his expertise. These, This is a good team, folks. Both 5 nothing is where you'd rather be, of course, but let's see what happens as the game goes on. All right, what are you going to watch this afternoon? Well, probably um, do some mowing. I've got to finish up my mowing. <laughs> and then hopefully... Get a chance to watch a little bit of this game on the streaming. And then probably the Cardinals and the Cubs tonight at Wrigley Field. 
Oklahoma State has changed pitchers, by the way. So game at a little bit of break right now. 5-0 Bears over Oklahoma State. Early on, though, bottom of the second inning. Um, I'm going to try to find this game. See if I'm going to pay for some streaming just to watch this baseball game because I'm really interested now. You've got me into it. Good, good. And you know what? We can do the show without these other guys. We'll just fire them next week, okay? There you go. All right. Not really, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say thanks to Corbin Campbell, Brian Tindall, Mike the Intern, and our very own Nick Fury. It is Ned Talk. If you're just tuning in and thinking, gosh, I missed it, well, you can download it as a podcast online at 1047thecave.com. We'll see you next Sunday.